Amen. Clap of praise. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and give God a hand clap. If God has been good to you this week, hallelujah. Our God is God. He is great and worthy to be praised. Amen. I'm so glad to be here with you all. And I praise God for our pastor that's in Albania sending messages. It almost came in like it was uh, the start of a movie or something like that. I was like, Lord, Jesus. <laughs> our God is good. Amen. 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 So we've been talking about um, our road trip. Has anybody been enjoying the road trip so far? Amen. Only a couple people been enjoying the road trip. We go. <laughs> Praise God. It's all good. Let's see here. Um, amen. Somebody, oh, two bottles of water. They must have thought about me and my wife. Obviously, the me size bottle and my wife here. So, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> she ain't really that much taller than me, but she is much taller. Anyway, in this week, we're going to continue with uh, our road trip. This is uh, session three we're, going, we're in. And uh, as Pastor John talked to us so a couple of weeks ago about God's original plan, you know, in our origins, what it was that God wanted to do, which was to create, you know, cre to have creation, to create something wonderful and beautiful that he said that was good, right? And then put man in the middle of it and to have man rule over his creation and live in peace and harmony with God under God's authority and within God's boundaries. Amen? But we see here that in the midst of that, and them two, Adam and Eve being in the garden, they run across the, the serpent and have the opportunity to either take from the fruit of the knowledge of uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil or not. And we see here that they actually went on ahead and did that. They chose willfully to sin. So sin disrupted that relationship with God and put distance between God and man. And this is where we find the first reference to Jesus. We find the first reference to Jesus in that God desired to redeem man. Amen. And the interesting thing here is that in the, in the midst of God's plan to redeem man, he uses us as part of that plan to redeem man. And so today we're going to talk about how God chose to use a man named Abram. Now, the, 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 just to show that this is in fact true, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. So what it is that God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others, it is God's desire to work with us. Amen. And so while God does his part, we actually have a part to play in this thing too. Amen. If it was only about just giving our life to Christ and that was it, we would give our life to Christ, die and go to heaven. But that ain't really the case, is it? No, that's not. Because we're still here. We're still here learning. We're still here living in Christ, trying to figure out how in the world do we walk this walk out with the Lord. Amen. So God has a plan. And in this plan, he desires to use us. So in the case of, of Abram, we don't really know too much about Abram's past, except that God saw something in him that he desired to use. And I believe that God desires to use us in the same manner. We may not know what it is that God created us for, but the scripture tells us that in Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for us, thoughts of good and not evil to bring us to an expected end. So if God created us with an expected end in mind, that master plan that 
God has to redeem man, we have, in fact, a part in that. Amen? And so with, with Abram, it turns out that Abram, that God wanted to use Abram to birth a nation of which the Messiah was to come. He may not have known at that moment what great thing that God wanted to use him to do, but that wasn't what Abram's job was. Not to figure out what God was doing, but to trust God and obey. So if we look at this particular scripture today in the, the, the beginning parts of the story of Abram in Genesis chapter 12, then what we'll see is three things. We'll see God's promise to Abram. We'll see Abram's faith as well as Abram's obedience. And for us, that, that means we really need to recognize God's promise. We need to believe in that promise, not just because it is a promise, but in who made the promise. And then we need to act. Amen? So if we do those things, we will find ourselves right in the middle of God's master plan. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. I'm a part of God's master plan. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today. We thank you for blessing us to be able to see, Lord God, waking us up in our right mind with strength and health in our bodies, Lord God. We thank you for your presence here today, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that this word will come forth in power, truth, and conviction, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us, Lord God, and that your word will fall on good ground and multiply in Jesus' name. Draw us closer to you, Lord God, for we need to hear from you, Lord, for if you do not speak, nothing will truly be said. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I am a part of God's master plan. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12. All right. All right. It says here, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Amen? Here God is, in fact, making Abram a promise. Now, if I happen to say Abraham, it's the same guy. Just want to let y'all know I did read, but Abram, <laughs> Abram's man, <laughs> Abram's name means exalted father in the Hebrew. God later changes that in Genesis 17 to mean father of the nations or of the multitude. So Abram, Abraham, same what? Same person, amen. But just in case I get that mixed up, just want to let y'all know. All right, so in here we see uh, a promise. Now, a promise is to assure someone that one will definitely do, give or arrange something, undertake or declare something will happen. Now, the thing about God is that God, God's name means so much to him. His name is the name above all. Every name. Matter of fact, in the, in the Hebrew culture, God's name was so revered that they wouldn't even really say it out loud. They would just whisper God's name because they honored God so much. But God himself, he puts his word even above his own name. So if God has said something, that is that lets us know what God honors. He honors his name, but he honors his word even the more. So if God makes a promise to us, we can trust in that promise knowing that God puts his word even above his name. And he tells us to put him in remembrance of his word. Amen. So it's important while we go through life to understand if God said something that we can trust in what God said because of who God is 
is. Amen? And so God tells us, and even in Ecclesiastes, that if we make a vow to somebody, that we should carry it out. It's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. When we find ourselves making promises and we do not fulfill those promises, what happens is we do damage to people. We do damage to people. We hurt feelings. And sometimes we find relationships broke up, families broke up, even marriages broken up, all because we didn't fulfill a promise. So promises are extremely important and even more so important to God. So if God says it, then that is what it will be. Amen. If he says it will be a five-legged dog, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be a weird-looking dog. I don't know what a dog going to do with the fifth leg, but you know what? I believe it. God said it, it was going to happen. <laughs> Amen? All right. So, but the thing here is that the focus for Abram really shouldn't be on the fact that what this promise is about. Granted, it's a blessing to see that God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that, that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. But really, rather than, than focus on what is promised, we really should be focusing on who made the promise. You know, sometimes we get excited about people who make promises to us, but really, we really should check the character of the person who made the promise. We can't really attribute character to people based off of their status or their possessions. Or, or, or let me put it this way. Anybody, um, you really find anybody in here ever ask somebody to help you move? Yeah, I hear some chuckling right there, right? Because who in here loves to move? Nobody in here loves to move. I didn't see not one hand come up. And though I'm short and there's lights in my face, I didn't see one hand go up that says, I like to move, Dwayne. You're right. I don't like to move either. And But in fact, what if they ask you, can you help me move? How many of y'all excited to hear that ver that question? Crickets. Okay. So, with that, <laughs> so not only do we not like to move, but we don't like really to be asked if we want to help somebody move. But that is when we really find out who our friends are, right? <laughs> Or if somebody's borrowing money from you and they say, yeah, man, I promise I'll let you, I'll give this money back to you, $100 in two weeks when I get paid. And so, yeah, it's really easy to, to, to be like, yeah, here you go. But what if you knew the character of that person before they made that promise? It'd be better for you just to be like, you know what, look, let's just, let's just skip this. To save our friendship, I ain't even going to give you this $100 because I don't even want to be mad at you in two weeks when you don't get this money back to me. So let's just, let's just stay friends, amen? If we knew the character of the person that made the promise, then, then that, that's the thing. that We would probably fall back on making many of the decisions that we make, right? But so it's not the promise, but it's the person who made the promise, right? And we have to be careful at looking at people and saying, well, you know what? Because they're the pastor or because they lead a life group or because they're a celebrity, they must be this. They must be nice or they must be honest or seeing somebody, a couple smiling, they just must be a great family because we really don't know. Now, Scripture says that we need to know those that labor among us. But truth be told is that we can't look at somebody externally and, and attribute internal qualities to them. Based off of what they look like. We need to know the character of the person. So the good thing about God is that God is reliable and he is trustworthy. Numbers 23, 19 tells us that God is not human. That he should lie, not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Now the thing here 
I like the King James version of this that says that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. Now, the thing is, God can change his mind. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. But if God desired to do something different, God can so do that. But God will not say he's going to do something and he'll do something totally opposite. Amen? So that's important when we read these scriptures to understand the heart and what it is that God truly intended for this to, to mean. So in other words, God cannot what? Lie. His promises are yes and amen. So we can believe God's promise because of who God is. I've personally found God to be a provider. When I was in college eating those ramen noodles, and, and, and who in here done ate ramen noodles? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And see, sometimes if you couldn't even get the stove on, I just had to eat them dry. Anybody ever just took your, just, it just, no? Yeah, yeah, one per two people. Yeah. Praise God. Three people. Praise God for dry ramen noodles. Okay, four. That's right. I done found God to be a provider. I ate them ramen noodles. I found God to be a healer when we had kids and our kids kept getting ear infections and we weren't quite sure what it was that was going on with them, but God healed them. I can remember messing up so many times and I can remember God being patient with me and faithful to me. But most of all, I found God to be a promise keeper. Everything that God has said he has done, he would do. He, Everything that he said he would do, God has done in our lives. So we see that God reveals himself through the things that he says and the things that he does. Why? Because it's hard to trust a person that you don't know. And God understands that. So God has to make himself known to us. This is why we find ourselves encountering different types of adversity and discomfort and going through different challenges because God uses the challenges to reveal to us who he is and then tells us to go back to his word to see what he said. So that gives God the opportunity to do something so we can learn about who it is that God is. Amen. So his character is, is discovered through what he says, and what he does. This is why our faith is so important. Because faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And in Hebrews 11:6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to him must first believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to first believe that God is who he says that he is. Amen. And so the thing about it, even with Abram, and we'll find it in our own lives, that, that Satan cannot stop the promise of God. If God said it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be put in action. But the thing is, if he, he, cannot stop, he cannot stop God's promise, but he can hinder our ability to receive or take hold of God's promise if we do not believe in what it is that God has said. Amen? So this is the reason why we wrestle in our faith. This is the reason why we have to overcome doubt. This is why the reason why we have to trust in God and believe what it is that God has said. So not only can we trust in God, but the next thing is we need to have faith. Faith. Believe, believe what it is that the Lord has said. And this can be illustrated in Abram's faith. He recognized God. Now, can you imagine? Uh, God coming out of Abram. That's <clears throat> I don't have that much bass in my voice, so that's 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 gonna have to be my God voice for today. <laughs> Can you imagine him going and, and, and speaking to 
to Abram and telling him, Abram, I want you to go to a, a, another country, to another land. First of all, Abram was 75 years old. You know good and well he won't try to go anywhere. He was with his family. He was good. He was in a nice place. And here it is that he hears a word from God to go someplace that he don't know where it is. This is where faith comes in. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, if you know, it's hard that sometimes we have we struggle with the concept of faith. Well, what is this faith thing? Well, in other words, I'll put it to you like this. When we get up in the morning, what do we like to check? The weather. We check the weather. And we want to get up and we want to see what the weather is going to be like. And if you've seen any, the weather the last couple of days has been crazy. It said it's going to rain like 60, 70%. It rains on and off the whole entire day, right? You just, but we check, the, we check the forecast to find out what it is that how we ought to dress and what kind of plans we should make, right? I tell you what, the, 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 weather, the weatherman is the, only, is the only profession where you can be right 50% of the time and get paid 100% of your money. I promise you I tell my wife that we, I, I chose the wrong profession. Should have been a weatherman because you ain't always got to be right. But here's the deal. If you really, if you trust in what the weatherman says, then you will get your what? Umbrella. Right? You will get your umbrella and proceed out of the door. Now, the thing about this illustration is that if it's in fact sunny, then we can call it faith because you believe in what it is that the weatherman said because they said it, you believe it, and so now there's an action that ensues. If you did not believe the weatherman, then guess what? Whatever, turn the TV off and go outside, right? That lets us know when we do not have faith in something. Because the thing is, is that that action that ensues later, in fact, validates what was going on internally with us. Amen. And so if you get up and you see that it's raining outside and the weatherman says it's going to rain. Obviously, you don't have to have any faith because what a man sees, what does he have to hope for? There is no faith if you see it. But the key to faith is that you don't see it. We don't see what it is that God necessarily wants to do or have all the details. But we have to trust in what God says that what he said will be that thing that will happen. So in other words, I have to trust in God's character and rely on who it was that told me this thing was going to happen. And so now I act as if that thing is going to happen even before it happens. So then comes faith. Amen. So if 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 Abram, if, if we let's just imagine if, if we were Abram for a second. So if we were Abram for a second and God tells us to go, y'all know good and well we would be like, what? You want me to go where? And do where am I, where am I going? We would want to be sure. We would be asking for people to pray. Can you pray for me? <laughs> I just, I think I heard God, but <laughs> I need some prayer. <laughs> we, would, we would want to be sure that we heard and we heard God properly, right? I don't know what process that Abram went through, but I tell you that God understands that it's hard to believe and trust him at times. Is why he systematically builds our faith. Romans 10:19 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more that I get into God's word and 
and, and see what it is that God says. The more that I read about God's promise and the more that I trust in God's promise, not because of what necessarily just God said, but because of who he is. The more I learn about God as I walk with him, he reveals more and more about who he is. And thus he is a, I'm able to trust him more and more and more and more because he's building up my faith based off of what he says and what he does and his character is revealed. So and now I trust God with everything based off of who I know him to be. So it doesn't matter what God will say because I trust in who he is. So I trust in what he says because I trust in who he is. Amen? Amen. So we have to recognize that our faith is extremely important to God. And this is the place where we will find ourselves in a battle at times. This is the battleground, the crossroad here where you will wrestle with that thing that God said, that promise that God made. And if Satan can disrupt that, then he can interfere with God, God's promise in our lives. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful to recognize the plight of the enemy when he bombards us with images and concepts and ideals and things that and societal norms that disrespect and dishonor who God is. Because he knows that if, if we accept his lie over God's truth, then that will hinder us from being able to walk forward. Amen? Amen. So Abram's faith is extraordinary in that he trusts God to leave his family. And for whatever reason, he took Lot with him. And move forward to go to this place that he was unsure of. All right? So not only do we have to trust in God, not only do we have to recognize that it is his promise and who made it, but we also have to be obedient and act. True faith is always followed by some sort of action. Amen? Let's look at uh, verse 4, 5, and 7. So it says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. Man, he was old. And then I'm just playing. In those days, people lived for, what, 600 years? year? So he might have been like 20 years old or something like that. <laughs> I'm making that up. Okay, so he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. The Lord appeared to Abram, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So we don't know what, how long Abram wrestled with this thing. But we do know that Abram believed. We do know Abram believed because he departed. Tell your neighbor he departed. He departed. He left. And so truth be told, Abram had faith that God honored. Now the thing here is that faith without works is dead. Truly we can say that we believe something, but, but the action that ensues after we believe or maybe do, do, do not believe really validates what's going on on the inside of us. So the scripture says in the same way that faith by itself is not accompanied by action, 
faith, um, it, it, be, it moves on me. And, and I'm following. I'm trying. <laughs> In the same way that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith by my deeds. So faith without works is dead. But the thing is, is that faith that is true and is demonstrated. If I believe what God says, then I will move and I will act based off of what it is that God has said. Tell your neighbor, there's always a test. There's always a test. This is why we run into different types of life experiences and encounters with people. There's always some adversity. There's always some kind of discomfort. There's always something there because God has given us the opportunity to demonstrate the thing that we believe, right? The Bible lets us know that it's the trying of our faith that perfects us, right? That's how we can we can count it all joy when we go through different types of trials and tribulation because God is working his character. He's working his fruit out on the inside of us. This is the difference between merely just professing faith and actually possessing faith. <clears throat> even Christ, even Christ was tested. Even, even Christ was tested. When we see Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see his humanity clash with his divinity all at the same time. He's in there praying and praying so hard that there's like drops of blood coming from his head. And he says, God, can you, Father, could you take this cup from me? But yet, nevertheless, your will be done, not my own. So even if Christ was tested, if his faith was tested, if Christ had to believe that God was still, his father would still take care of him and still love him and still do everything that he had promised. So if Christ was tested, how much more will we be? He still had to act and he still had to move. Amen. Understand this, that sometimes that you're not going to have all of the details. Abram did not have all of the details. Amen. Anybody got kids in here? Um, anybody, anybody got kids that ask you why all the time? Why? Why? You, you need to brush your teeth in the morning. Why? Because your breath is going to stink. Why? Because I don't want to smell your breath. And if you don't, and if you don't brush your teeth, your teeth are going to fall out. Well, why? We, we, we would get frustrated at that. Amen. We would get frustrated at the fact that our kids would keep asking us for details and we didn't already told them what to do. At that moment, we're really more concerned about them doing what we said more so than them having all of the details. And the truth be told that God is not going to give us all of the details all the time. Truth be told, if you knew everything that God had in store for you, many times we would fall out of that. If I knew what it was that, that if I knew, oh man, I can remember, I can remember when I got married, that first year of marriage, and my, we, my wife and I experienced some financial trouble the first year that we got married, and I can remember saying, well, Lord, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know, but yet God, God used this situation to draw me closer to my wife, and also proved to us that He was a provider in the lowest moments of our life. But if we would have known, if I would have known what was coming up before it happened, maybe I would have fell back and I wouldn't have taken that step of faith. And I love you now, baby. She's sitting there like, you better fix that one. <laughs> Thank you. 
So the thing here is that we're not always going to have all of the details, but we have to be careful not to allow ourselves to be paralyzed by not having the details. For if we if we do those things, that if we we if we it can it can be translated into a lack of faith. It can be dis, a display of disobedience. If we tell God that we're not going to move until we have all of the details, in other words, we're not going to have any faith. Do not allow the lack of details to paralyze you. Tell your neighbor, go anyway. Go anyway. That is what Abram did. He went anyway. I don't know what God is telling you to do today, but go anyway. Even if you don't understand what all the out what the outcome will be, even if you don't know the details, we can trust and believe in what God has said because of who made you the promise. Take hold of the promise. Once Abram got in the land of Canaan, we find that God speaks to him. And if you ever been in a, got in a car, and your kids have ever said, "Where are we going?" Has your response ever been, I'll tell you when we get there? And the reason being is because at that point, it really didn't matter that the kids knew where it was that we were going. What mattered was that they were along for the ride. They needed to be in the right position in order to take hold of what it was that we wanted to do for them. And the same thing goes for us. We just need to be in position. Once Abram got to the land of Canaan, God told him, this is where you ought to be. Many times we think that peace is going to come before we act and obey. But I want to let y'all know that I don't think that's true. When God tells us something, it challenges our faith. It causes us to have to kill our flesh it causes us to have to surrender our will to him this is where the wrestling and the battle and the struggle takes place between us going about life on our terms or God's terms but I tell you that as we act as we believe and we act peace comes the peace that passes all understanding peace as Christ said not as the world gives that peace that cannot be taken away that happens once we act and we obey and Jesus being the fulfillment of God's promise in Genesis chapter 3 even he had to act and obey having to carry his own cross being mocked and ridiculed, being found guilty for a crime he had not committed. Yet, he still trusted. He still went forward. He still got on the cross. He still obeyed. And because of that, we have a chance at eternal life. The Bible tells us that he that knew no sin became sin. Jesus became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That we can have 
a relationship with God. Not religion, but relationship. That we may know who God is and be with him for all eternity. This is the promise that God has made and God has fulfilled. Now it's up to us to believe and to act. Can we stand all over the place? Eternal life waits for all who trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. You may say today, man, I'm far from God. But God says, but I'm near to you. You may say, man, my heart is dark. Look how many times I'm messed up. But God says, Jesus' blood washes clean, and I'll give you a new heart. You might think, nobody loves me, nobody cares. God says, no one can even number my thoughts for you. You belong to me, and I love you. This is God's promise. We can trust in what he says. Trust in him today. And if you want to make that decision to step out as Abram did, say this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins and for raising him from the dead. Today, I recognize your promise for eternal life for all those who believe in Christ. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm a new creature in Christ. Thank you for forgiving me and making me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. Lighthouse, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Our God is worthy. Our God is good. There's none that's like him. Sing along with the, the praise team. And as God continues to work on your heart, speak to God at this moment. God bless you.